0: What's up, guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls, episode number 24. My name is James Scully. Today on Breaking Walls, I sit down with Wallbreaker co-founder Matt Weckel for a conversation about the life journey that Matt's taken and all the pit stops he's made along the way and the things that he's learned as he approaches parenthood for the first time. Matt and I have been friends since childhood, and this is a candid, in-depth conversation between him and myself. In fact, it's one that is probably more candid than any other conversation that he and I have ever had together. We talk about the emotional backing to the many things that he's grown up with, and I filter in and out of that, too, because we grew up next door to each other. As I always say, you can get these podcasts by going to soundcloud.com thewallbreakers. Then if you subscribe to us on SoundCloud or follow us, Whenever we've recently released a track, if you go to SoundCloud.com, it'll appear in your track feed. You can also go to SoundCloud.com/theWallbreakers to find any of our tracks. Another way that you could get these podcasts is by going to iTunes. If you go to iTunes and search for The Wall Wallbreakers, T H E W A L L B R E A K E R S, you can subscribe to our podcast there. If you rate us and review us on iTunes, it helps the iTunes algorithm and therefore more people will see these podcasts. So please go ahead and do that if you're so inclined. We'd appreciate it very much. If all else fails, go to thewallbreakers.com and you can listen to the last podcast in descending chronological order in the handy SoundCloud-embedded right-hand rail in the podcast feed. I'm going to keep this intro short. I want to get right to this conversation between Matt and myself. It's just a couple of guys from Brooklyn sitting around shooting the stuff about life. So stay tuned for Breaking Walls, episode number 24, right after this. What's up, guys? Back on Breaking Walls. My guest today is one of the founding partners of The Wallbreakers and long-time, lifetime friend of mine, Matt Weckel. And Matt and I are going to sit down and talk about life lessons for a first-time parent. Because as the time that this is airing, Matt's wife is eight months pregnant with his first child, their first child together. And there are lots of fears and lots of learning things and lots of challenges that go into something like that. And I wanted to talk with Matt about the experiences that he's having right now. So... Welcome back to the podcast.
1: Hello. <laughs> no, hi everybody. Uh, Thanks for having me.
0: We grew up together. We're from Brooklyn. I moved to the block when I was right 10. Next door. Right next door. We've been friends since 1997. We started the Wall Breakers together in 2012. Um, but besides that, you have had an interesting journey in your life in that... You went to school for criminal justice, you bartended, you went to Europe, you moved to San Diego, you met a girl, you you met another girl. You know what I mean? You came back. Another girl. (laughs) You were never afraid to put yourself out there and say, let me go try something. And we were just talking off air about, you know, times that happens to people we know that they're afraid to do things like that. What is it maybe about where we're from and things we've seen that resonated with you, it could be also your parents, even the fact that your dad comes from Binghamton and that's like, oh my God, it's five hours away from Brooklyn. How come you always had something in you that said, okay, I'll, I'll move to San Diego. I want to backpack across Europe. I want to try these things. Why why the, the forgetting of the fear?
1: Well, I I, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of, Brooklyn's so cool now that like it's hard to remember a time when all you wanted to do was get as far away as you could from where we grew up. Sure. Um, <laughs> I felt uh, the same way. Uh, you know, it was... It wasn't the toughest, roughest neighborhood in the world, but it, it definitely was not... The... It definitely was not the uh, the most... The friendliest of places at times. Um, you know, I... Well, uh, <laughs> describe... Since you
0: and I were hanging out with each other in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn as teenagers, well, like, would it be... Surprising to you to be walking down the street and have somebody drive by, roll down the window, and
1: go, you fucking jerk offs, and keep driving. Somebody you yeah. didn't know at all. Is that? It, it might have been me doing it to <laughs> you. No. I mean, yeah, but you, that's the point. It was very aggressive. Right. And there was always a, a constant feeling of, of tension, especially as you got older and you're hanging out and, and you maybe, you know, alcohol becomes involved. Or There's always this tension, kind of just like this. Just waiting to burst. It felt all the time, you know, Um, and it was. You you had to fight a lot. I got how many times did I get beat up? I can't even count anymore. You know, it's like it. It just wasn't always the the friendliest place. We had a great home. We had great friends. It was great. At the same time, I didn't run away. I still live in Brooklyn. So, um, but I I just think that um, that yeah, it left you definitely leaves a bad taste in your mouth as a teenager. And maybe as an angry young man, you just want to get as far away as, as you can. But also as my parents, my parents were pretty, uh, you know, they didn't really go all that many places or do that many things, but they, inside the house was a different world than, than outside. You know, they, they just sounds silly, but like they took us to Manhattan. They took us to the city. They took us to museums and whatever cultural events that they could to, to give my brother and I a sense of that world, um, which unfortunately a lot of people in our neighborhood I don't think received. Um, So I think that was equally uh, as important in in my desire to see other things. Uh, With that being said, I think there's still so much more to see. I don't want to... I I unfortunately haven't seen as much as I'd like to, but um, yeah, I think that basically explains my desire to do things like that i mean you were the same way it's we also had other interests um creative interests there was i think it took myself longer to recognize those desires um to explore my creativity and to express myself in a certain way um but i think there's some there was some fire inside of both of us that wanted to express ourselves in the breakout and to break those chains of, of 1990s, 2000 Brooklyn. Yeah.
0: And now. until 2005, five, six, the gentrification process that is Brooklyn, that didn't exist yet. There were pockets oh, of it. We didn't it. go to
1: Williamsburg. No,
0: no. Park Slope was building itself up in the 90s. And mm-hmm. I remember going to Park Slope and thinking, wow, this is a, a place to be. And yeah, I was the same way in that my mother took me to Manhattan. She took me to the Metropolitan Museum. She helped, you know, in school you learn about these things anyway. as In elementary school, and you're, you're learning about the arts, and you're learning about lots of history, and to be able to see that stuff in your own time, you're right, it, it does spark further interest in you, and you can think about Stonehenge all you want, but until you go see it, then that that but you have to, you, if you want to see it, you have to go, you know. Um, we also we had a a click, I would call it, growing up in that us and our group of friends, and we weren't involved in any BS gang, wannabe gangs in neighborhood and things like that. We just kind of ran with each other. And then we also grew up, we went to work at Catering Hall Cerico's, where Matt and I were Matt, you actually got me a job at Cerico's. Uh, we were catering hall waiters so you go there and you're hanging out basically with 20 guys that are all around <coughs> the same age as you bonding with these things it really is like a coming of age movie that would be set with doo music like as the intro
1: it was the best job I've ever had in my life why is that? <laughs> I mean well I think I think the fact that it was an all male workforce definitely was was a big part of of, of why uh, we all were so close there, and I would say we were all pretty close. I don't I don't remember too much tension in, in amongst that no. in those walls, you know, like yeah, the occasional tension, but I mean, it, it was a very close knit group, and, and 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 we got along very well, um, and it, with unlimited alcohol and <laughs> kind of hey no um, I'll uh, agree with that and. Uh, you know, unlimited cigarette breaks and just like it just felt like you were
0: hanging out more than you were working.
1: Absolutely, you were, you were
0: serving food and cleaning up food around hanging yeah. out basically all night.
1: Yeah, and I mean, without this turning because it could easily turn into a swapping Sirico stories all night and what a great place that was. I don't know how, how interested people would be in, in hearing that. Um, but uh, there, it, it, there's there was something it, this sounds cheesy, but there was something truly like. In, in my warped memory, very magical about that place and just how everything came together. And the people who worked there were absolute, I don't even, they were caricatures of human beings. I don't even, they were. It wasn't even, it was like, it was, it's cheesy, but it's like you were walking through the back entrance of Copacabana and with Henry Hill. Like, it was, it was ridiculous. You know, um, it wasn't exactly the mob heyday in the early 2000s. Um, we had some, some characters, but, it, it, it you know, some fights, brawls between guests and waiters and walking in on people doing things in the bridal suite. Like, it, was, it just always seemed like Animal House there. Like, it was. <laughs> and it really isn't until this moment,
0: honestly, that it dawns on me. Every mobster movie that you see... That really is the mentality of where we grew up. And it's it's not a lobster mentality. That's just a Brooklyn mentality. You know, everybody knows everybody else. Everybody knows everybody else's business. Everybody is very much um, judgmental of you if you want to do something different. Not everybody, but you know what I mean. We had
1: to pretend to be a tough guy even when you were a tough guy. And everybody's being I was not a tough guy and I had to pretend to be a tough guy. For You you just look ridiculous. You do. <laughs> but we all did it. Yeah. We all went through that phase of pretending to be a tough guy. Absolutely. When we couldn't have all been tough guys. Mm-hmm. And there was always someone tougher than you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that also <laughs> talks about uh, the need to find yourself, to find who you are, discover your voice in what feels like swimming with sharks all day. Even if it's not true. And, you know, being that we're 30 years old now, when we think back about that or if you see kids behaving that way on the street it's funny to us now because we don't have the insecurity that a 15 year old is going to have in that situation but once again we're talking about One a local of the good mindset about getting older. right yeah you, you don't give a fuck as much we're talking about a local mindset that's unique to us in Brooklyn but that if you grew up in Chicago if you grew up in a small town in Arkansas that local mindset
1: yeah. it'll be for that area but it's the same but you know, and some people don't come back from that necessarily. No, they might grow up. So I, I would say that our friends mostly did grow well, up. But I also think that we were smarter than than some others to begin with. Know. Well, not, I'm talking about our close group of friends. I think we found each other because I don't think we because were naturally we all like
0: that. each other. Yeah, we were all unique individuals. Yeah.
1: So like, it's not about intelligence when I say smart. I just mean I think that we we found each other because I think we always kind of didn't want that life you know we didn't want to try to be pretend to be tough guys or you yeah. know. I remember we'd all go and buy weapons I mean it was ridiculous <laughs> I don't know would, how you get at get this? this friends, friends sure. with wooden knuckles yeah we, would, no, we couldn't no, we a brass
0: knuckles so we had wooden knuckles
1: we would go to the the store on 86th Street and buy knives what were we gonna do with them it was nothing. ridiculous nothing didn't do anything with them no they it was scary yeah uh, but you know rightfully I, so it was scary you know
0: I don't think I really understood why I felt the way at the time, growing up, but I always knew that the mentality of trying to be tough, or fighting in school, or being somebody other than yourself, your true self, it never made sense to me that I had to put on an air. In my mind, I knew that this all made no sense, and it wasn't me. And, And you do have to grow up out of that, and I think a lot of it is not being afraid to take the leap and and move yourself to San Diego or hell man, even getting a bartending job in the village brings an entire different clientele of people into your life. And at eight, at 18, 19 years old, you were doing that. You were, uh, the oldest one of our friends by a year, which when you're a teenager, that's a big deal. You know, like you didn't have a curfew before everybody else. Um, You're going to college in Manhattan to John Jay at the time, and you're bartending in Manhattan. You mentioned earlier your parents took you to Manhattan, and for people listening, Brooklyn and Manhattan are two completely different places, absolutely different. Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Especially Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, yes. Uh, Yeah,
1: I would say Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, and, and going to the city at that time were... Something you didn't always do. Right.
0: I feel like we grew up in a small town, which is the neighborhood Bensonhurst or Diker Heights, inside of a little bit of a larger town, which is Brooklyn, inside a city, which is New York City. But you seeing new things. What is it at 18 years old, you meet all kinds of women, you know, you became friends with Tommy London, you know, people like that, just people come into your life that you would have not known. What is that doing for you as an 18-year-old and it's opening your, your mind to everything else that's going on?
1: Well, I think, it's, I think it's worth saying that what's really funny is that while we talk, like we, want to get out of, we wanted to get out of Brooklyn so bad, we wanted to get out of Brooklyn so bad, but we, we, we went 10 minutes away, you know? It's not like, you know, I, I see, I've met people who when they turned 18 or when they were 17 even earlier, they're traveling, they're living in the country, they're going across the world. They're really, I mean, I'm just going across a bridge and that was more than enough for me. So, the, so it's, there's still those uh, family ties, right? That like I didn't, I would say all these things. I would leave Brooklyn, do all this stuff. But yeah, I just just went across the bridge for a little bit. You know, I didn't want to leave my mom. I didn't right. want to be too far. Right. Uh, I didn't want her to worry. So, so that's it. Just strikes me. It's so Brooklyn. It's like, it's like yeah, I'm gonna go see things. But I'll always be a forty-five-minute train ride away, right? So I can go eat at my mom's house, right? Yeah. I don't. I. I I mean, I don't think I probably did as as much as I should have, as far as broadening my um, uh, my my thoughts and my ideals at that time. Um, I think I, I successfully, in my eyes, left. Bensonhurst, which was a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, I mean, yeah, I remember it, you know, it was exciting for me to live. That was like the goal, right? To live in the city. That was the goal. I lived in the village. This is awesome. Like, I've made it. (laughs) You know? Uh, but Not to cut you off, but of
0: course, when you make it like that, the only direction to continue to go is what else
1: is out there what else is out there. Yeah, I guess it's true. And then I went, yeah, I moved to California for a little bit, which I didn't. I missed New York right away and came back. Um, what was the reason? Now, now that was two thousand eight. What was the reason? Looking back, to be perfectly honest, I just think I missed my family. No, I mean to go. Oh, oh, uh, to go in the first place. Um, I think I think at that time I needed to get away from my family for a little bit. I, I think that I felt that I had missed that college experience when people go away. And they leave and whatever. And I was always, you know, when I, was, and when I was in high school and everybody was going away to college, I rebelled against that by saying, oh, I'm not going to do all this work for applying for college, which is, of course, ridiculous. It was, uh, the thoughts of a 17-year-old angry angry kid. But uh, And then I think when I finished school, I was like, now i got to get out of here and, and at least go as far away as I can within the country, which, you know, it's like pretty far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think, I don't know, just wanted to live on a a beach for a little bit. Um, And I loved California. I'd been there a couple times. That's it. I just wanted to live on on the beach in San Diego. And it lost its luster for me pretty quickly. (laughs) I was ready to come back.
0: But it's one of those things, again, that you can't know it until you do it. You had to go find... If you never went to San Diego at that time, there would have constantly been something in your mind that you weren't doing. I had the same experience when I went to Arizona. Uh, I chose a place as little like New York City as I could think of. And it wasn't just Arizona, it was the desert in Arizona. And I would have had no idea that I wanted to come back. I think part of this conversation for people who are from New York, and even not from New York if they listen to this, New York has such a strong pull on you. Yes, a 10 minute train ride to the village from Diker Heights is not very far. But the worlds were very different, truthfully. They're the same in a lot of ways. I think but it's still like that now. It's yeah, one absolutely. Of
1: the beauties of, of the city. Yeah.
0: So we don't come from a place that is the middle of the Arizona desert where you're saying to yourself, I've got to go find people. We come from a place that's rich with culture of all kinds. And we're very fortunate for that because we go back and you say, you know, I was able to go to museums. I was able to. It's New York City. There's all kinds of things to do. Does that bring out creativity in you? Is that part of where that comes from? That there's all this around you at all times that you can tap
1: into. Well, I think I'm a firm believer in in that idea of uh, walking through the streets of, of a city like New York that has the overall energy like New York is that you're constantly being, um, assaulted. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way with, with a whole, uh, myriad of different, uh, just different stimuli everywhere you go, you know? So it's, yeah, I think that's the, the, the number one single reason that people continue to come here and why I continue to live here is that it is addictive in a way and it's a, I just can't get enough of that. You know, my, my, my brain and my creative energy feeds off of that. You know? Mm-hmm. And why people continue to come here despite the fact that it's so freaking expensive and a hard place to live. It's it is. Not to, you know, there are plenty of harder places in the world to live but it's not always the easiest lifestyle to live here. No. High stress.
0: Yep.
1: Money issues. Competition. I mean, name it, you know? Um... But yeah, I think some of that too is—is—is is, 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 it's hard for me to put into it words. It's these intangible things that when you go to a, you go to a place and you just feel its energy and its vibe and, and, and I mean, in New York, I mean, there's no question. Obviously, it's, it's like the center of all of that. Mm-hmm. I it always is. I can't imagine it not being.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> know. Of the energy itself, it's been that
1: way. Since sixteen sixty four and before that, you know, uh, yeah, you worry. You know, you see like uh, the rising prices and then the like the worst homeless crisis we've ever had here mm-hmm. and and you 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 hope that it's not being turned into just a playground. Uh, you know, they say the playground for the rich or or uh, the comfortable masses to come here and I don't know, I don't know. Like you hope that it doesn't just completely go in that direction. Um, Let me ask you... I still want to raise my child here. Okay, (laughs) that's what I was just
0: going to say. Now, we mentioned on the beginning that your wife is eight months pregnant. This is your first child. There's fear involved in that, obviously, because it's an unknown. In New York City, you're constantly dealing with unknowns all the time. It's hard, financially, to live in New York City. Yes, if you're living in a horrible place that's a third-world country, I'm sorry. That's it's terrible. And you could probably find positives in that, too, if you wanted to think that way and you live there. And you can find tons of positives about New York. Do you worry? You just said you want to raise your child here. What are your biggest fears about your kid growing up in Brooklyn, in New York, somewhere, and what are the things that you know that your kid is going to be really well off because of growing up in New York?
1: I don't think I have any fears for my child growing up here. I, don't, I, I mean, I want him to grow up here. Um, but my fears are more around uh, providing for, for a family um, in conjunction with my wife. Providing for a family here, Um, you know, you you can't help but think like, I mean, we grew up in no space. We grew up in two apartments that had literally, my parents slept on a pullout couch. I slept on a bunk bed with my brother. So it's not like I think a child, (laughs) I don't personally feel that a child needs all this space. I lived in a very loving home. It was totally fine. So that doesn't get me. Um, But you know, you think, can you spend, can you spend, could you be spending your money uh, more wisely to to provide for your child in the future to help them pay for college and all this stuff and, you know, is, is it worth the price that you're paying? that That's my, my biggest fear. I think that it, that it would, aside from that, I mean, the, the pros weigh, outweigh the cons uh, dramatically. Um, and I just, I want to raise my kid in New York. I want my kid to be able to that's a pride thing too. You can't shake the Brooklyn thing either. You know? no. I want to be like, yeah, from Brooklyn. And my dad's from Brooklyn. And my wife's family is originally from Brooklyn. So yeah, there's still that like tribal. Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is a tribal yeah. aspect there. Yeah. Pride, pride of where you come from. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think about it. Sometimes you're going to move and I'm going to be like, well, where could I be proud of my child saying that he's from? Sure. And the list gets short really fast.
0: <laughs> what are you feeling at the moment? Knowing that you're about to have a child to be a father for the first time, and there's a responsibility there that you can't go away from. You could even divorce your wife, not saying that you want to, but you know what I'm saying? You have a responsibility for the rest of your life to be a father, and I know people in this world don't take that responsibility very seriously, and most people do, obviously. It's a responsibility. How do you feel at the moment? What's going through your head when you think about
1: these things? Um, well, I, I think there's, there's a lot of things. There's so many, that, so many things that run through your head, right? Uh, when having a, a human being that you're going to take care of. Um, luckily, I'm not, I, I haven't felt all that scared about it. My biggest fear is our are, are money. Uh, it's, that's, that's always like, that's what I worry about. Like, are we gonna be that financially secure as much as we as we can be? Um, but I don't let that take over too much. That's just I think it's pretty much normal fear that everyone has with kids or without kids, especially in this city. Um, but overall, I try to look at it as is. Everybody tells me, you know, that's a parent, and, and I'm probably being naive, but they all say, oh, you know, your life's it's over. You know, like that's it, like. You're gonna be. You're, you think you have no time now. You're gonna have no time, and and, uh, and and I'm sure that's true to a, to a degree. But I try to look at it as like as selfishly as more as if an inspiration. You know, to like it's a beautiful thing. It's the most wonderful thing. What else is there really to get excited about it, 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 besides you know being instrumental in? in creating life like that's amazing it's wonderful and i don't want to spend this time worrying about all those other intangibles i want to spend it focused on that you know um and i'm just i'm super excited to i I don't i just i can't allow myself to be anything but super excited i just feel it's not fair to to a child right i just want to enjoy it and i don't want to look back and say i you know, it took me a little while because we weren't making so much money back then. So I was, like, worried. I don't want to... You know, you might never have another child or whatever the case may be. You're lucky enough to have one and to be in this situation. So I just want to appreciate every moment and, and every day as much as I can. And it's going to be fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. No, it will be fun. 50, It'll be 50, scary. it fun. And
0: you're not doing it alone. you got your wife. Yeah. So, and everybody's family. and yeah. And that's also a beautiful thing about coming from where we come from. Most people, our families don't even stop at the end of our bloodlines. Like you and I are family, but we're not blood, but we're family. I know that Miller and I, you call me. Is
1: that you're offering to babysit?
0: Sure, I'll babysit. I'll, I'm putting that on record right now. You can babysit.
1: It's... I'll do it.
0: I don't mind. Now, we can talk about this as much as you want. Your mom passed away of cancer in 2011. You're 25 years old at the time and she was fighting it for a few years and incredibly close to your mother growing up. What you just said to me about enjoying the moments, even now, before your wife has a baby, this first journey that you and her are taking together after you were married last year, and going forward from there, raising a child, Having other children, who knows? You know, you can't think that far ahead. What did that do to you inside? Besides the hurt, you're missing your mother, and that's not going to ever change. You're always going to miss her. But I'm sure as time goes on, the way you feel about it happening changes a little bit. How did that make a man of you in ways that, had that not happened, you couldn't have understood
1: I don't know if it's still a child. (laughs) At least I feel that way on the inside. But uh, I think, unfortunately, it's 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 you know it's kind of um, unfortunately it's 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 the age-old thing, right? Like you don't know what you have, and then it's too late. And then, well, I think you do appreciate it, but then but then you you go through these uh, myriad of of. Feelings and emotions, I, you know, I was angry for a while. I think I was angry before that, too. So, But you do, I, I, hopefully you come to the point where you try to uh, appreciate the smaller things. Or, well, we maybe sometimes think of the smaller things, which I try to think of now as you mean relationships really with your family. Yeah, and with your wife and, and, and your friends and the things that are at least to me, you know, truly the most important thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so unfortunately, it took, you know, that death to, to help me realize that better than, than I had. And that's unfortunate. But I hope that I can instill that better into my son. Maybe you can't. Maybe it's just you have to go through loss or something to, to truly get a better grip on it. I don't know. It's what it took for me, unfortunately. Um, You know, maybe makes you a little bit more spiritual. You hope for, you know, for uh, start thinking bigger about other other things that could possibly happen beyond this this world in some ways, maybe. Yeah. You just... And you just... uh, You focus on... You also focus on maybe sensing the world around you a little more. You know, the idea of like, that I was a part of my mother, so she's therefore a part of me my whole life. Like, what does that mean? It's very hard to, to grasp that thought, but, but to try to embrace that thought and to, to understand that I can have some part of her with me wherever I go. So.
0: It's not then about the loss. It's about what's still here.
1: Well, you hope that you can try to look at it that way, you know. Like sometimes I get angry that my son's not gonna know his grandmother, it's, or that she didn't get the chance to know to mm-hmm. to know him. You know, that could be pretty infuriating sometimes.
0: Yeah. But you is it infuriating though because it's out of your
1: control. Well, you just you just know you just you know in your head you see things that could have been, you know, and so you. It's a very human way of doing things. We just don't understand. We can only think so far about this stuff. So. Sure. But aside from that, you just hope that you can carry on her memory, and that my son knows about her and and understands the way she was, and and somehow feels a connection to her through his life, in, in some way, and and that's the best you could do. There's nothing else you, you can really do about it. And like I said, unfortunately, it took something like that to appreciate. Maybe my relationships more, and right. who knows what different path the your life would have went on if that didn't happen. Then. Who knows?
0: Well, um, there are two things that right around the time that your mother passed away, that happened with you. You were starting date gen, not the timing wasn't that far away from that.
1: Yeah, it last You an only met once. Yes, yeah,
0: right. Also, the wall breakers. You came to me in September of 2011. Mm-hmm. We had sandwiches at a Vietnamese place in the Lower East Side, and we were both talking about, well, you had been in film school at that point, and you were working for Blue Barn, for, excuse me, you were working for Blue Barn already. And we spoke about creating a community where people can send their work. And, um, I remember when you were dating Jen, and after your mother died, you didn't want to date her. And that was more of a blowback, I think, from the hurt that your mother was feeling. And then shortly afterwards...
1: this one want to say I don't remember this.
0: Okay, well...
1: <laughs> James lying.
0: <laughs> but afterwards, not long after that, because we weren't living close to each other then, you said, oh, I've, I have been dating her, and I'm actually really glad that she's been around. She's been great, because without her, I don't know where I would be right now. That vulnerability, when you really... Let yourself open up to somebody who's not your wife. And it's had you not been willing to do that, obviously you wouldn't be married to her today. How do you allow that for yourself? How do you say, I understand that I can't close myself off. I have to open up here to somebody who wants me to. Oh,
1: well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it was an active decision. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, I, I, and in all fairness, I don't. I don't think I made it very easy for her at the time. Uh, thank God she. Uh, she's a good woman. She saw through maybe some of my more difficult uh, moments during that time. Um, but I think it all ties into the same thing. I, at, at some point, I just kind of, even you know, you just wanted to appreciate the nice things that you have and not be so angry about everything else. I mean like it, this is not an easy thing to, to to do, you know. What is not to to want to appreciate the nice things that you oh, have sure. and not be it's it's a constant struggle, right? I like, think I it's know. a human I mean reaction. how many people wake up there? I don't think I'm the only one who wakes up in the morning sometimes a lot of times with anxiety about what I have to do that day or or what I did yesterday or what I'm supposed to do in 3 months, you know. Um, I think that's something that That a lot of people share across the world. Yeah. Um, uh, Especially in in more stressful societies such as ours, so it's it's just not an easy thing to try to like be like shut the fuck up to your brain two seconds. Yeah, to yourself just like appreciate the nice things that you have for two seconds or where you are at that moment or you know people talk about this all the time, especially nowadays, constant stimulus. You know, right um, phones. But it's a really hard thing to do. It's a constant battle. It's something you have to consciously choose. I think uh, I have to. I have to consciously choose to do every day. Try to catch myself, or have my wife or my friends point it out. Like, hey, you know, right. Enjoy this. So, so, yeah.
0: Be positive. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember hard. the moment that you decide? Sometimes you don't want to be positive. No, sometimes you don't. Sometimes and you do I, and here's the other thing about that. What I. If, I, don't, I try to inject myself too much in these conversations because it's not about me, but it's okay to not be positive sometimes. I always want to preach positivity because I think in the end, yeah, that's the only way you're going to move forward. If you're constantly like, this fucking life sucks dick. Excuse my language. How are you ever going to do anything? You know, you're never going to want to make a move because you're just going to be so miserable and self-absorbed. But I don't think that you can appreciate the good without first without sitting in bad. Sometimes you have to sit and shit in order to say I, I want to get up from this and go sitting on a on a bench instead. You know. Do you remember when you decided that you were going to marry your wife? Do you? This is somebody like the Matt Weckel that I have grown up with. Said, you've had long-term relationships. You've had plenty of not long-term relationships. I I,
1: yeah, I just, I don't know. I think I was, <clears throat> I think I, I had a few extended periods of unemployment and questioning a lot of things and, and and being genuinely unsatisfied with with life and myself as a human being, I guess. And um, and I and I just think that I, I don't remember the the exact moment. But I just, I think at one point I kind of like, I decided <clears throat> that I was going to go see somebody to talk about my, I'd never done that before, you know. So I went and talked to uh, a counselor of some kind. I, I just, i but I think this was all generated because I felt that I had something nice, beautiful here with my wife and at, at the time my girlfriend, I was letting it slip away. And I wanted to re- connect with that side of me that could enjoy these things. And that, that found that very helpful. And, and even from there, I, 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 I think I, I, at that point was so all over the place that, and I realized that I was putting another human being through this with me somehow, some way, it just was like, was like, I don't, I don't want to do that to somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I signed her up for life.
0: <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, I just I
1: don't I don't remember. I just it just felt really good, you know. She was there for me and with me, and beautiful and wonderful, and and uh, and yeah. And then from there, it only got only got better.
0: We're talking about at this moment having a child and getting married, and these seem like stressful things, but it's like you're saying, it's not. It's beautiful. If you're going to make that decision and you're going to propose to somebody, don't even, why bother to be even stressed about it? Be in the moment. Enjoy it. If she says, yes, this is the greatest thing ever, I, I've gotten something that I really want. You know? Same thing with having a child. Why worry about what my 401k outlook is when this is my son in front of me? You know, like, Yeah, of course, there's always going to be that fear, and I'm not in that position that you are, so I'm, all, I'm speaking about this academically, really.
1: Um well yeah, I'm just trying to think of it as like let it let it uh motivate me to <clears throat> to make to do those things that I have been putting off the last 30 years. So like yeah all right I'm gonna get my 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 portfolio up I'm gonna get my investment game on better you know I'm gonna treat my my money and, and my hard-earned money with more respect and I'm gonna you know, think of other ways that I can financially, emotionally, spiritually make my life better, so I can make others better. Right? It's it's that's one option you can take. Sure, <clears throat> and that's the one I, I I try to take. It's not easy.
0: Well, you just said earlier in this conversation, I'm still a child. Then you said it as a joke, but it's true in the way I. or I should say it's true <coughs> in my opinion for myself too, because. I still feel like a kid. You think, I think, when you're a kid, when your parents tell you, you got even a teenager, your parents tell you, you better be home at 10 o'clock. Otherwise, I don't know, all hell is going to break loose if you're home late. You can't wait for the day that you're like, someday I'm going to do whatever I want because I'm going to be an adult and nobody's going to be able to tell me what to do. But you don't wake up one day and you're there. You live it. So I, I still feel like a kid, like you're saying. But what you just said, it's about growing up, really. It's you have you can't be a kid when you have a kid. You have to be a man. You know you have to teach yourself. What is a man going to do here? How am I going to profit my life in every way? You're talking about profiting your life emotionally with your wife, or being more fiscally responsible because it's a doggy dog world out there. And if you keep doing stupid things, then there's no way you're going to get ahead. You know you still have to try to. Roll, roll the dice and, and hope the break go your way. We're, all, we're talking about taking risks, you know, and I've always known you as a risk taker and I always looked up to you because you were my oldest friend and you were the one who was able to go and do things and also right now I'm running the wall breakers because you and I sat down and, and we figured this out and we launched a website together. And an entire art community. We ran, we're running an entire art community together. And I think what I, why I'm saying that is because often we do things in life because we just have to do them and we just do them in repetition. And to me it sounds like you are consciously stepping back from things and saying, well, wait a minute, why am I doing this? How can I do this the best way that I can? Just cutting out as much bullshit so that everything that's left is substance Can you tell me maybe important lessons that your mother taught you growing up or, you know, your aunt and uncle, Tommy's parents or whoever, what are some of the most important things that you can think of immediately that you want to pass down to your child from the moment that they're old enough to comprehend things?
1: Well, the first thing I think of is my mom would always say, I'm sure other parents, other people have heard their parents say, this is, you know, don't go to bed angry. Right, but they would you would say because you might not wake up, you know what I got, right? She threw that little Catholic fear yeah. in there too. Yeah, right? yeah. But I, but there there's um, maybe yeah. But the, the it's true. Like it's more than just don't go to bed angry. I try to make it like let's not be so angry. Sometimes you have to be angry about certain things. Sometimes you want to just step back and say, oh, why am I getting so angry about this? And 99% of the time, it's because I'm hungry.
0: Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you it's angry. like, when you,
1: when you think about it like that, it's like, geez, so ridiculous. You know, I'm angry because I haven't eaten. Well, maybe if I eat, I can look at things a little bit better. But, but just realizing that thing, like, okay, maybe oh. I'll deal with this better after I eat something, mm-hmm. is a really hard thing to do sometimes, a lot of times. Uh, so that's one thing. Um, I try to... Use that don't go to bed angry for just just try to see if there's a good reason for being angry. Sure. Um, Which most of the time there there really isn't, you know. Um, And isn't that great though? Because you get to the bottom of it. There might be
0: a reason why you were angry, and the reason itself is valid in that something went down and you got angry because of it. But I know for myself, when I step back and I remove the anger, but the thing is still there, you go, oh, okay, well. I could do it that way and then I, it, it takes care of itself and look, I'm not angry anymore. You know, it allows you to be clear-headed.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just good for yourself and for everyone else and it's like this – it's a simple thing they always say, like don't write that email right away.
0: Yeah, don't. Think Take 10 it. minutes. <laughs> sleep on it. before. Yeah, oh,
1: yeah whatever my- long you need before you fire off that email to a client or a coworker or a whoever and you just want to like rip into them, you know? Or like write it, what do they say? Write it down in a letter and then throw it away. I I think that's like the single most important career advice anyone could ever get, you know? Mm -hmm. Both sides. Because even if you're the one who's maybe in charge, uh, you you don't want to be perceived that way. Right. You know? So, yeah. And and also, you know, going back to the original question about what my parents taught me. I mean, my parents are just always super open-minded about everything, you know? I could have been anything in the world or or anyone or loved anyone or had any preference in any way that I wanted and and they would have been very loving all the same. So to, to grow up in a place like that is maybe less of a rarity, but it was pretty it felt pretty rare growing up. Yeah. Where we did. Yeah. Uh, uh, it didn't seem like that was always the, the consensus. No. Um, so that, I mean, I'm super lucky to be, to grow up in a place like that where I felt like I could be anything or do anything and I would always be, be loved and, and, you know, promoted the ideas of, of thinking outside the box and like, man, that's awesome. I could have been born down the block. (laughs) Maybe a family didn't think that way. Who knows where you
0: end up? The apartment building on the corner.
1: Yeah. There was a few.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, you mentioned a few times about anger growing up. I also was a very angry person growing up, and I do think that that's a byproduct of maybe I do think it's a byproduct of being in an environment and not fully understanding it or how you fit into it. And I, even though we're all unique. We do want to fit in. We want to have friends. We want to be part of a crowd. How can you teach your ch- your son if he's going to grow up in Brooklyn, no matter where he is? And the overall vibe of Brooklyn has changed a great deal in the last. Well, it depends
1: 10 years. on where you are. Right. I don't know if some right. neighborhoods. Very true. Seem like they've changed.
0: Yeah. How can you make sure the first time that he comes home from school and says, "Daddy, somebody picked on me." What do you tell them?
1: I, honestly, I don't know. I think about this a lot. Sometimes I wish my parents told me to go punch somebody. <laughs> instead Because my parents didn't teach me that, which is a good thing. It's great. Is it okay sometimes <laughs> for your son to deck a kid? Is I don't, it case-by-case it case
0: basis? I don't want to
1: say it's I, – I, you hope that it doesn't – Come I, to that? The most I can hope for for him is, is – and, and I don't think this will be a problem. I think we'll – Teach him good enough. Is, is that is is to respect everybody and that he's not the one who's who's picking on anyone or or anything like that, um, and maybe standing up for others or himself. Um, but I, I, we're not particularly violent people, no. so I don't know. He I don't know if he'll have it in him. Um, I hope he doesn't. Um, but I mean, it's hard to say, you know. Like uh, there is so that like Brooklyn mentality where. You know, part of me might be like, "What would that kid do to you?" Go, you know. I, but I don't know. It's it, it it's so that it, it seems so far away right now. Like that's sure. I'll deal with that problem when it comes up. Um, hopefully there won't be too many of that. Right. Hopefully I won't. I'll be able to stay level-headed, and not want to be like, "Well, I'm going to talk to this young man's parents." Uh. If anybody saw True Detective. Yeah, that's what I was two. thinking of, Colin Farrell and <laughs> True anyone, Well, it shows. was the second second episode, so I think yeah. most people saw the second episode after that. They just kinda so yeah, most people probably know that. Reference. Right, yeah. <laughs> um I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe by then I, kids are way I think they're pretty, they're a little nicer. Maybe. Yeah, maybe,
0: yeah. They're a little more open minded. I often feel that we're lucky in that we were taught old world, not actually old world, like Europe, old world. We were taught traditional values, but also to be progressive at the same time. So you can apply them on the run, almost. You're from Brooklyn. You want to raise your kid in Brooklyn. You've got one month, basically, before all this comes to light. As time is ticking away,
1: are you ready? Yeah. Yeah, you have no choice. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's coming like, no matter same. what, right? Yeah, so, yeah, you have no choice, so you make your decision. Right. right. Well, you do have a choice, that's not true. And you make your decision. What's your decision going to be? You, I feel like a lot of times you can make it easier on yourself or you can make it harder on yourself. Sure. A lot of times we get in our own way, so don't we'll make it as easy as possible. Right. And roll with it. Yeah. Um, I probably haven't prepared as much as I should have. Is it possible to? I think I could read more. Oh. I think there's a selfish part of me that's like trying to do all this other stuff that's unrelated to that so you can get it in. Like, oh, I got to play guitar. I'm terrible. I can't play guitar. I just want to, I want to practice. It's <laughs> like it's totally waste
0: time. Is that just as a way to avoid the, the knowing that you have a child coming? No, who knows? Maybe.
1: I think it's, yeah, I think it's a mixture of things. Um, yeah, I'm being a little facetious, but I think, yeah, you, you're like, if it's true that you really don't have any time, then I better do all this well selfish okay. stuff.
0: So we're mentioning right now, and you know people mentioning to you, your
1: life's over the second you have a child. I disagree with that. People The same people tell you your life's over when you got married. I mm-hmm. had uh, the best year of my life.
0: There you go. Well, you married the person you wanted to marry. You didn't sell and you're doing what you want to do. Yeah. How do you balance Matt Weckle, the guy, with Matt Weckle, the father? I guess you can't know that yet. But there's got to be a balance. There's Matt Weckle, the husband, Matt Weckle, the father. We all, no matter what we're doing in life, we're different people at all times. I'm James Scully, an employee. I'm James Scully sitting in my underwear (coughs) at There's versions of us everywhere. How are you staying self-aware, balancing? Them? Are you you playing guitar as a meditational thing? Is it a new thing to learn?
1: I don't know. I, I think I, I I think the goal is to try to limit the amount of of uh, like the way you're putting it, like the amount of views that are in uh, in the world. Um, I, I, I I hope that me as the husband, father, myself is kind of a collective package in a way and and I and if you're lucky enough to have a job where you can be as, as much of yourself as, as possible sure um, that's 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 the ideal situation um, I don't know and then you just kind of wing it maybe I, you wing it too much I don't know me my if I haven't even talked about what we're gonna do when she goes back to work in three months after? I don't. That's not probably the most responsible thing. I think there's a certain amount of winging it going on, maybe a certain amount of denial going on. Everybody deals with these life changing events differently. Um,
0: are we always, no matter what we're doing in life, having some elements of winging it and some elements of denial all at the same time? I think or some people are.
1: I think everybody's different. I think there's people who, who plan it a little bit better and or, or plan more and. Maybe that's right for them. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, you know, we were talking about before, like right now this feels like the best way to <laughs> Maybe I'll look back and be like, oh, that was, that was dumb. Should have sure. planned things a little better.
0: Well, what would you say to Matt at 16, Matt at 21, Matt at 25? I know you all of that time. And you were doing different things in all of that time. Is there anything that you would say to any one of those versions of you, younger versions of you, as far as something to reassure them or something to tell them?
1: Yeah. I mean, you'd probably yell at them, right? Like, if you had the chance, you'd want to go back and yell at, yell at them a little bit. Like, <laughs> go, to, go to a better college. Oh, like, okay. Like... You're an idiot. Like this is so dumb. What are you doing? Like, yeah, that would that'd be the first. Thing. If you could, <laughs> if they'd listen, you'd be like, listen. These are the things that went wrong. Boom, 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 boom. You know, this is going to happen. So, you know, let's let's get a head start on this. Okay. Like 15 years from now, you're going to be doing this. If you start this now, you're going to be killing it by the time you're me. So but you gonna, can't know what. But then you know it. the the flip side of the coin is. The game you play, like well, then would you meet your wife and would you be having this life? So, so yes, I think probably at the end of the day, I wouldn't pull the trigger at all. I'd probably just say let it, let it, let it go. You are talking to me tonight
0: as a person who's very, for the most part, self-aware. Obviously, yes, but. Comfortable in your own skin, comfortable being you. You're married. You you have a kid on the way. The insecurity of childhood seems to be mostly gone, and maybe we all always have little bits of us that mm-hmm. are insecure. We're putting backwards. on more
1: weight, self consciously okay.
0: But that how think about how easy that is to to make that change if you want.
1: Uh, maybe for you.
0: Well, you know what I'm saying. Um. As you go forward in life, mad at 40, 50, 60, what kind of man do you want that to be?
1: Uh, I don't know, I just hope I'm, um, I hope my kid loves me, I hope my wife loves me. That's it. I hope that, you know, things are, this is just, you know, it's boring, but, Financially I hope things are just chill. I hope we're good. Mm-hmm. Everybody's good. I can we're okay. Um, and doing doing pretty well. And and I hope that I've seen a lot more of the world and, and, and continuing to. And I, I just think that it, it will be that way. Sure. Um, and you hope that everybody's and you hope that your friends are, are safe and happy and, and, and enjoying their lives as well. And you hope that you're still in touch and and that's it. One. And you hope you haven't been priced out in New York City? <laughs> One we day. probably will be priced out City. Yeah, the chances days. are we probably will be. Where would there. you go? Where do you go? I've been, i played this game so much. Portland? I, I think you have to leave the country. I mean, Portland's not bad.
0: I've often thought about taking a job in Amsterdam. No, yeah, well, that's... Above a, a shop, living above a shop for a year, working at the shop on some, like, You know, you can get yeah, I'm working on getting my Italian citizenship. citizenship,
1: so I can work anywhere in the European Union. Smart. Is it? Uh, employment there is not so great. You know what that is? Giving you some options. Well, you could do it too. It's true. Sure. You just got to track down your great grandparents' farm. I'm sure I could. Rock Village in Naples or Sicily, wherever. Maybe this. If anybody knows any
0: Cericos or Androsanis in, in Italy. No, just Yeah, You could do it. I have all the information.
1: It just costs money.
0: Well,. On that note, is there anything that
1: you want to plug in particular? Uh, no, at this time, I, I, I don't unfortunately have any uh, a personal projects that I that I feel like plugging at this at this time. Um, but besides, you know, the wall breakers. I hope I'm glad to see that you've continued this, and, and I'm, I'm very proud of you as a friend and. Uh, and I'm glad to see that people are that you've built and continue to to grow the community it's it's a wonderful thing so thank you
0: and thank you for incredibly open chat tonight appreciate it very much
1: and if you want to invite me back I'm I apparently have no more life so you have to get (laughs) me in the next next 10 weeks
0: yes (laughs) alright thank you Matt
1: no problem (laughs)
0: As summer is becoming autumn here in New York, the weather is cooling off, I'm getting excited for those family parties that are going to be approaching us as we head into October. I want to thank somebody that I consider family, Matt Weckel, for his time tonight. This was a revealing interview for me about my friend, somebody I know incredibly well. He and I have sat across the table many times, broken bread, talked about life, But never had I sat with him and directed questions at him before in the almost 20 years that he and I are friends. It revealed great things about Matt to me that I wasn't even fully aware of before we sat down. So thank you, Matt, for a fantastic interview. Although Matt didn't plug anything in particular, if you want to find him on LinkedIn, he is on there. Search for Matt Weckl on LinkedIn. And I want to thank Matt once again for being one of the founding members of The Wallbreakers. And for contributing so much of his time and energy to getting the wall breakers off the ground in 2011 while his mother was sick. He and I go back so far and we've done so many things together. It makes me really happy to know that he's a huge reason as to why this was Breaking Walls episode number 24. It felt like an appropriate time to have Matt back and to talk about some of his experiences in life. As the calendar turns to October, we look ahead to the things that change in our lives in October. October is a month that has apple picking, pumpkin picking. You'll see costume parties because it's Halloween at the end of the month. Once again, guys, if you want to subscribe to the Wall Breakers podcast, go to soundcloud.com thewallbreakers and follow us there. Or go to iTunes, search for the Wall Breakers and subscribe that way. And get out there, guys. Break those walls. My name is James Scully. This has been Breaking Walls, episode number 24, and until the beginning of October, I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much.